There's nothing more discouraging than seeing the lovely vegetables you've planted being eaten by critters. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze. Beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles. Approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of February the 9th. We're talking today about critters in the garden. I guess this came to a head because lately you've noticed some damage from either rabbits or squirrels. We're not quite sure which. Possibly both. <laughs> Possibly both. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. And uh, we're talking about how we can manage that and what we can do about it. The specific damage, it might help to mention, has been from uh, Brussels sprouts being taken off, their, off the stem of the plant. The smaller ones, not the larger ones, but the really tiny little uh, nodes. And then also an entire broccoli plant has been chewed away. So, yeah, I'm, I'm discouraged. And it has not escaped our notice, in case you're wondering um, how interesting this is, that uh, after spending our childhood watching Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd go at it, and after reading stories when we were children and reading stories to our children about Peter Rabbit and Mr. McGregor, we have become the amalgam of Elmer Fudd and Mr. McGregor. <laughs> That's right. We are those gardeners that we used to laugh at and hoe and revile, um, we understand that. So uh, we're playing that role with gusto now. Makes me understand what Mr. McGregor was going through, you know? You, you know, <laughs> it makes you, it connects you with your inner Mr. McGregor, and uh, <laughs> so right. be it. Uh, it probably pays to go back and talk about the first real problem we had with critters, and that was, of course, the deer. Deer. Deer are the worst. In fact, if you can't protect your veg from deer, you might as well hang it up. If we were not able to protect our crops against deer, we wouldn't even be talking about any other infestation because everything else pales when you look at the kind of damage they can inflict and how fast they can inflict yeah. it. And it's the nature of deer. They don't consume as much as they destroy. Exactly. They just shred everything in the process of getting what they really like. Um, and, you know, we learned, what was it, summer of 2009? Mm -hmm. That was our first heartbreak. <laughs> that they can uh, destroy your garden in a matter of a day or two. Yeah, it, it literally overnight. So what we did about that was to put a deer fence up around all of Veg Hill. And, and that was at considerable cost. You were asking me this morning, how much did we pay on that? And my basic rec recollection is around, in between $2,000 and $2,500. It was not cheap. And we installed that ourselves. So we, there was no labor involved. This was all the materials. Correct. And what we ended up using, and we're high on it. It, was, it seems to have thoroughly solved the deer problem on Veg Hill, is a seven and a half foot metal hexagonal, um, what's it, I've, I've even called it. Hexagrid or something like that. Yeah. yeah it looks um, like chicken wire that's coated with a, a black, almost plastic. like plastic, yeah. And yeah. it makes it invisible to the deer. They can't look up with their limited depth perception and see where the fence ends, and that's key to its effectiveness. Yeah, if they can't see the top of what they're going to jump over, 
they won't jump. Right. So and, it has worked so far. And it has worked so far, they said, knocking yes, on wood we're both together. Knocking. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll find out exactly what it's called, and I'll include some relevant links on the show notes page so that you can go and find out all about the barrier deer fence because it has addressed the deer problem on Veg Hill. Then on, around the orchard, we had a much larger area. And about an been, acre compared yeah. to an eighth of an acre for, um, I'm sorry, and quarter of an acre. A quarter of an acre. For yeah. Veg Hill. And so what we ended up using there was a less expensive alternative, uh, a three-wire electric deer fence. And so far, knocking on wood again, it seems to be working, although it's too soon. We've not had a tough winter during which the deer had no forage because we've had this ridiculously mild winter and they've had green growing foliage to eat out in the woods yeah. straight through the winter. And so we really haven't had much deer pressure. The, um, real, the real test will come when we have a severe winter, you're right. And then we hope and pray that it works. It's supposed to. Yeah. Um, so now let's talk about what's invading Veg Hill that, yeah. that's not prohibited by the fence. So now we think we're down to, and, and, and the reason I say we we think we are is because we don't know exactly what the critters are. It's not like we're out there watching them do their damage, but we're down to um, smaller amounts of damage. I mean, as, as frustrating oh, yes. as it is to you and to me, the amounts of damage we're getting now are certainly manageable. Yeah, and, and the, but eating eating cabbage plants and kohlrabi leaves off the kohlrabi, that's not acceptable. So even if it's small, <laughs> I'm not okay with that. I'm not down with that. You okay, must critters? stop, critters. Yeah. And, and we've seen squirrels, actually more squirrels out here right around Veg Hill than we've ever seen since we moved here in 2009. You're right. It's, it's like, I'm wondering where the hawks are. Like, come on, hawks, there's a squirrel buffet out there. If you'll just circle Veg Hill, you can just pick you them off. You can have yourself a yeah. field day, and we are sort of waiting for the, the predators to come in and, and get them some squirrels. Um, the damage is a little harder to see, and so are the critters. That is, harder than deer would be. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, they're also harder to stop because they can get in spaces that, where the deer cannot invade, oh. And they work uh, quietly and almost invisibly. Uh, invisible, that is, until the farmer-in-chief goes out to check on her Brussels sprouts. Yeah, and then, and uh, you know, a lot of it's happening at night. But um, let's talk about what we've seen. I've seen rabbit um, detritus. You know, we've seen rabbit poop out there in the in the garden, and I've seen the squirrels actually scurrying out. They'll run out of the tree that I can see from the window of the apartment and go right out onto Veg Hill. So we know that they're freely roaming out there. And then just yesterday, I uncovered a small hole, too small for an armadillo, I'm thinking, although we know we've had armadillo damage in the past. But it could be a mole or a vole, and I need to go back and review my Master Gardener notes on on um, critters. So we've got some research out. to do yeah. on that. But and something's the other burrowing that, through. Yeah, under. the other that I have thrown out, and we, haven't, we can't really tell you we're getting any damage from crows yet, but we know that we have crows everywhere oh, yes. around here at Longleaf Breeze. So I think it's an, if, if we're not getting damage from crows now, it's just a matter of time before we do. Yeah. And the other that we have really not seen to speak of um, yet is just regular birds eating the fruit. 
but well, we haven't had that much fruit. Except my strawberries last summer and the oh, blackberries. They okay. got some of you that. You got some yeah, damage. Some okay. bird damage, yes. All right. So that's um, sort of that's the landscape when it comes to what critters we're talking about. So let's shift gears and talk about how we are addressing it. Well, we haven't done it yet, but we plan to later this afternoon try to put a trap, one of those humane traps out in the garden with some bait that hopefully the little bunnies or squirrels or whatever they might be will go in there. Um, and we've tried traps before when we, when we had the armadillos. We have yet to catch a single animal in that trap. So I don't know how effective it's going to be, but it's worth a try. It's worth a try. That's our first line. And uh, you and I have, we are surrounded by people who think we're going to trap them and then carry them somewhere and release them. But you and I don't plan to do that. We have been admonished by our extension agent advisors. Do not trap a wild animal, transport it to a new location, and release it. The reason is that uh, wild animals have a, a microenvironment. Mm -hmm. And when you take an animal out of one microenvironment and place it in another, you may be transporting a disease that is not already uh, resisted in the new exactly. environment You're and you not, may create uh, an epidemic without realizing exactly. it. Exactly. So. You are not doing the animal population any favors by doing that. So if and when we are so fortunate as to trap an animal, you're absolutely right. It's frustrating. We have yet to trap an animal in any of, either of our traps. But if we are so fortunate, we will kill the animal. We in a will humane not way. transport In it. a humane way. But yes, it just doesn't. And of course, if you said, well, why don't you just put it outside the fence? Well, it's going to come right back It'll in. Come right back. That would be yeah. ridiculous to try to, why, you would not trap anything that you had an intention of letting go. That's just our philosophy anyway, and certainly others can, can do what they feel like doing. But there are some laws actually about transporting animals to other, wild animals to other locations. So before you, even if you are so inclined, before you do that, you need to check with your local ordinances about and Transport. then don't do it anyway. And don't do it anyway. Um, if, you're gonna, it, if you need to trap an animal, go ahead and dispatch the animal. Don't carry it to a new location and release it. Too many risks. Yeah. And, and of course, our other big uh, weapon we have is Adi, our Springer our Spaniel. Big weapon, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Adi is so scary. <laughs> he goes out and scatters the squirrels every so often. But they scatter onto Veg Hill, and he's, he's fenced out of Veg Hill, so he can't go out there and pursue them. Fortunately, they are also stupid, and they can't figure out that he can't get in. So as well, soon as he materializes, they run for the trees and so forth. So he is having a slight uh, harassment effect. That's about all <laughs> yeah. you can claim for, for Adi. Probably drives their blood pressure up a little bit, exactly. shortens their lifespan. You know. <laughs> but and, you know, a little bit of harassment is a good thing. Yeah. So we're not complaining, but yeah. neither are we planning for Adi to keep the problem under control. But one of the things we need to do, seriously, is to check and recheck the perimeter of the deer fence because there is a, a, enough of a... Um, an overlap with the ground. In other words, when you put the deer fence in, it doesn't just hit the ground evenly and then that's it. You actually uh, bring it out and stake it down so that it's supposed to prevent smaller animals from coming in. Well, we had a breach in the fence earlier in the spring, in the, I guess it was back in the fall actually, when Adi 
figured out a way to get in. And we figured, well, if Adi can get in, <laughs> smaller animals can get in. And you repaired that. So hopefully, but again, something else could have materialized. So we need to check that fence. And we'll, we'll check the, the perimeter of, deer, of the deer fence and make sure we're not having any uh, new problems there. And, you know, it hurts to say this, but the fact is that another coping mechanism we have for dealing with critters in the garden is just to learn to put up with them. Well, to, some, some of them we can. I think, for example, we planted 40 blueberry bushes because we're assuming the birds are going to get some of the blueberries. So we share. If we, we'll have enough blackberries if they get a few. Eh, if they get a few strawberries here and there. Um, but... When an entire cabbage plant is ruined, or, you know, and, you, and I haven't planted that much cabbage to begin with, or that much broccoli, then that I find very difficult to put up with. But you're right. I think our overall strategy ought to be to, to always plant more than we need. And if we, if we combine that with the method of using the traps, humanely, of course, um, that may help our leafy green situation anyway. I think you put all that together and you've got the, the closest thing we can come up with at this point to a coherent strategy for yeah. dealing with critters in That's the garden. Right. Um, so, yeah. well, let's shift gears and just talk about some general things that are going on here at the farm with the little bit of time we have left. Um, I don't think we've had a chance to share with you that we were able to get all the fruit trees in the ground. They're all planted, and boy, is that a feeling of relief. In fact, we got them planted just in time for a little rain that came. And, yeah, and feels had, good to have it, that done. It does, including two olive trees. Including those two olives. So yeah. we're looking forward to sharing with you over the years whether we are able to get any useful product from our olive trees. And then just the, the past couple of days, you and I have been working very hard out on Veg Hill to do a long overdue cleanup out there. You, you uh, cut the okra trees down, and they were some of them were trees. <laughs> they were. And I had talked a good game about how I was going to have to use the chainsaw. In the final, uh, I didn't have to use the chainsaw. I did have a couple that were resistant to the lopping shears, and I had to talk to them for a little bit before we got them <laughs> down. But we got everything down with lopping shears. And then I was, I've been going through and getting the old tomato plants, pepper plants, eggplant, uh, green beans, peas off the trellises. And we can reuse those trellises, so I've cleaned those off. And um, we're in the process of stuffing all the residue into the compost and may have to start a whole new compost pile with yeah, all that. <laughs> we've, we've got the compost pit filled up completely now, and I guess at some point I'm going to need to dismantle the compost and get it down the hill so we can begin curing it. Get ready for spring planting. Exactly. I've already got my peas uh, order. I mean, I have the seed, so I'll be ready in the next couple of weeks to put those out. I have some strawberry plants to put out. We're talking about asparagus pretty soon, so um, we, we'll keep you updated about those developments. And up on the lodge, we've got uh, good progress happening. Scott Rupert has framed in the porch uh, so that we have our screen porch defined now. And it allows us to see what a nice space that's going to be. Uh, we are, he's working now on uh, beefing up the protection from the north wind over on the metal side. And we've already... Uh, made good progress with framing up the uh, outdoor serving area. We had a, just, we were thinking we'd just have a sink out there, and it's turned into a nice little area, I think, with where we'll cabinet? be able to yeah. uh, have food and put dirty dishes after we have served a meal out there. So I'm, I'm excited about it. We had a conversation this morning about how to do the lighting out there. 
So we have, we have all that coming up. And yesterday we met with our cabinet people, and I'm really excited about them. They're going to do a great job, just nice guys, Tracy and Boog, and we look forward to working with them. So, again, more updates coming about that as well. That sounds great. Uh, we finished up with a little bit of time to spare, but that's not a bad thing. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we will look forward to visiting with you again soon. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Or you can send us honest-to-goodness mail at P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. To browse our archive, to learn more about the farm and about Lee and Amanda, and to talk with other listeners, visit us at longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.